0: Five Drive. Catch up. Valentino Mattivella, you directed a new docu series on Showmax called Rosemary's Hitlist about a cop turned serial killer, Nomia Rosemary and Glovo. And as much as the story was in the news, this documentary series is so in depth, it's shocking and gripping at every turn.
1: Why were you drawn to tell this story? You know, um, Rosemary. It's a woman, right? And I'm also a mother like her. She's not only a mother, she's a sister and a daughter. And this is someone who in her family happens to also be a breadwinner because she works as the first professional in the family, being a policewoman, a cop. So she's the pride of the family. So... And I know this because having grown up in the village where I did, the three professions at that time when the transition was gradually happening, where new careers and new opportunities could be accessed by a lot of people, cops still held that stature to say if someone is a police a man or woman, they are seen as a symbol of success, as a symbol of safety as a symbol of authority. So here we have a cop who has perpetrated crimes while in blue, and not just crimes against the society or the community, but against her family, the very people who, even if they were to feel the most unsafe, I'm sure when she showed up, they felt like, now we are safe. Mm. And then they became victims. And I couldn't understand that I was like, I'm interested to actually unpack the psyche of this woman if we can succeed at that and to actually understand how she managed to actually perpetrate these crimes, what was her modus operandi and what were the blind spots um, that she mastered? but also how, because I knew one thing, that she was not a laywoman, but she was also very smart to have managed doing something like this mm. where people were dying almost every year and no one asked questions. So... The issue of family secrets as well, you know, started surfacing to say there's no way someone can actually manage doing something like this for so long. And I was interested to find out no one suspected anything. Um, So those were some of the things that were quite attractive to to try and unpack for ourselves as viewers, for myself as a storyteller, but I'm sure also for the families at the time, I felt like they they must be wanting some answers because we are asking ourselves questions.
0: You also directed the first season of The Real Housewives of Durban and also Lebo M coming home. What was it like going from reality shows to such a serious crime docu series? Oh,
1: just daunting. <laughs> really? <laughs> How <old are> I? <laughs> You know, reality is also a beast on its own because, you know, uh, it's called um, unscripted, but we try and prepare by trying to script certain things and contexts, but you can never script what will happen within the context of the world you create. You just provide opportunities for things to happen, you know? Um, But you do have some kind of control because everyone that's in that show has signed up to be in that show. Documentary, especially one like this, that's not the case, you're wondering, am I going to be able to find the story that I'm looking for? Am I going to be able to come back with answers? Am I going to be able to convince subjects who are most of the time victims to speak? And will they trust me enough to tell me the truth as well? So that the story you bring back is authentic, but it's also um, revealing about things that people wouldn't necessarily have seen or heard in court because you will remember that Rosemary's case when the when the prosecutor went uh, with the police to say, "Okay, we need justice for these people," they had circumstantial evidence. They didn't have anything tangible. There was no smoking gun to say Rosemary did this. So they needed to also use the help of the same victims. And when you started hearing of some of the struggles that they had, now you can imagine for us as well to go back to the same people and more to convince them to not only speak in court towards. Justice, where they could be in camera, we're saying, we actually need you to come and tell us your story in order to help each other amongst you as a community of victims now, unpack and try and find out answers from each other's experiences. And they were scared. So it was very much daunting to go in also because you are dealing with a very dangerous um, subject in Rosemary and Love because Nomia is very powerful and I started seeing that to say I was not actually being ridiculous going into this decision. she's still holding and wielding a certain power even from behind bars so hence people are afraid and people are scared so even us we just had to bite the bullet and tell ourselves listen she is behind bars she has been sentenced whatever any other the power that she may still have because people were still victimized while she was behind bars that tells you of her landscape (laughs) of the kind of people as a cop she managed to network for him for herself and she managed to use and she managed to manipulate you know some of whom ended up being the informants for the police to be able to eventually nab her
0: that's so scary and and was it a long process to get the family members and the saps members to to trust you and open up
1: to you we had to be very patient we had to be willing to pay more than one visit and sometimes you show up and you're not gonna roll cameras because there's a lot of um trust that we needed to earn from them you can imagine these are people who were betrayed by someone they both loved and trusted so much so who are we yeah all we know and all they care we could be working with her. So it had to actually become believable for them that no, 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 we are not here working with her. That's for sure. That's number one, that we needed to always answer, you know, to be like, you could tell, you know, They don't really trust you, you know. But with time, eventually, we had to play ourselves in certain roles where we could be relatable to them and eventually become one of them. And sometimes it had nothing to do with their story. Sometimes it had to do with something they were worried about the night before, that the lock to uh, their door is broken and they're scared to sleep at night. And you call in the morning to say, was the lock fixed? Because we had to make a plan that you can lock your door at night and maybe you feel a little safer. Nothing to do with their story, but we are trying to draw closer and to say, we do care about your safety. And if we can make a difference, no matter how little, we will try. And eventually, they started trusting us in different ways, all of them. That mm-hmm. was just one of the scenarios, you know, because they were betrayed by someone they didn't see coming, like such a blind spot. By the time they looked, it was over. She was done.
0: And did you get to talk to Rosemary herself? What was your experience of her?
1: I did. I <laughs> did. I did. Um, My first impression after waiting, and of course, when it's Rosemary that you are going to see in prison, it's not like any other prisoner, you know, that experience was quite telling for us as well, um, because we were made to wait. And unlike other prisoners whose names were called out uh, for their families when they were ready for them, everyone kind of knew, but her name was not called out. They would always come and speak to us in our ear you know, they they would always protect our identity on who we've come to see. And they have their reasons. And that system was also quite uh, intriguing for me to witness. And when she eventually came, um, you know, prison has uniform, you know, the prisoners have ready-made, what's your size, not rosemary, well made up, she took the material, she was like, thank you very much, I'll wear your material, but um, <laughs> not this outfit. She was wearing one of the most beautiful dresses what? in prison material that I was like, oh my goodness, in high heels, dressing ring, matching her earrings, necklace, the watch, the bracelet, well to do and all made up. You'd swear she's going to be a bridesmaid. That was my first impression. You could tell she laughed it when you actually tell her you look amazing. She's like, you too. I had to match your standard because I had who I'm meeting.
0: <laughs> she must be quite chuffed that there's a documentary about her oh,
1: then. <laughs> um, she's on and off. Um, that that days she'd be willing to talk, uh, but uh, not on camera. And she'll just tell you what she wants to tell you. And talking to her, what was very surprising was that she still speaks of herself in the third person. Um, they say, Rosemary did that. And I, I don't know about that, you know. So there are, de- there are times in the conversation where she will become, Rosemary, that's talking to you. That's me. I, myself, me, I did this, whatever. But once you start touching on the crimes, it's Rosemary. They say she, her. So she distances herself from the crimes that um, she's alleged to have committed and has been sentenced.
0: Hectic. And in which ways did working on this project affect you personally? A lot of growth. Uh,
1: After this, I decided I need a break before I do something this dark again. Whether it's a series fiction or reality, or even a documentary, a lot of growth because going in, I did anticipate the demands that the project will have, you know. But nothing could prepare me for what we were met with. People's pain is still so palpable. Some of them, the preceding death that um, were, co- were, were that happened before the death of Maurice which was actually the death that opened the can of worms. Those people died a long time ago, but the manner that they were killed in, like, yo, I was actually um, in tears a lot. And the rest of the crew now and again, and you'll hear people are rolling and operating cameras and sound equipment, but sniffing in the background. And you look in the room and... Eyes are wet because we can't believe what we are witnessing. And some of these victims are elderly, you know, Uh, but you must still be matured enough and find a way of being comforting and still storytelling and still find everything out. So it really um, stretched us. It stretched me emotionally. And we also had a lot of hurdles, you know, where I had to find myself going back because a subject that was so key in a certain storyline suddenly got cold feet and you can tell that they didn't just get cold feet something happened between our conversation last night or yesterday or the week before and this morning when we were supposed to arrive in film something happened but you can't tell what and they won't tell you what and you kind of like start realizing that just because someone is behind bars it doesn't mean that the suffering has stopped yeah you kind of have to understand that you will find yourself going back to the drawing board a lot and just having a web of story points to say, if I can't go here, where else can I go? And you must always just have those options. And you find yourself approaching the same people time and time again, because they say yes yesterday, today they say no, and then they come back and say, okay, I've changed my mind. (laughs) Okay, yes. And then sometimes they even alter the angle because they feel that they need to put their safety first. And then you decide, can I get the bit you are willing to give in earlier at least, you know, than what we would have love to get so usually as a director and especially in reality most of the time I always get what I want if a scene didn't work I can always go back and reshoot it and be mm-hmm. like no you didn't deliver according to how we agreed for that content beat you can't do that here you take what you can and you make the most with what you have and you in that moment, have to be ultra-prepared to kind of, like, be able to grab everything you can on a beat like this. Because if she segues into something you were not anticipating because she suddenly comfortable you have to grab that but if the opposite happens you have to also find a way to still keep her in that chair or him in that chair and keep them talking so planning is everything in filmmaking but i think your gut as a director as a storyteller or an interviewer becomes a very useful tool i've never used my gut like i did in this documentary before
0: Mm. sure that's amazing because um i mean watching as a viewer it's it's such a hectic story and it does affect you just watching it. And that's the final product. So I can't imagine, you know, how much you guys go through in the creating process. Um, Never mind the victims themselves and what they've been through as well. So you've done an incredible job, honestly. Um, I feel like South African crime documentaries are becoming increasingly popular thanks to the likes of Devil's Dorp, for example, which was also produced by Idea Candy. Why do you think it's so important to get our own South African stories out there?
1: Uh, There's a very famous saying now across the Twitter streets and everywhere else that (laughs) our country has become a movie theater now. South Africa is a movie, you know. Um, The news cycle is moving so fast. But when I sat down to actually reflect on what we've actually been through as a country recently and realized how much violence we've actually witnessed and how much violence we've actually been subjected to, we are such a traumatized society and I think when we actually get to sit down and reflect on the perpetrators of the trauma we suffer as a country, it's actually good to actually say, you hurt us as a country, but we want to know how you did it so that no one does it to us again. And then I think we are also attracted to the psyche of a murderer or a serial murderer or someone who perpetrates the most heinous crimes because we want to understand we see this but this is a symptom or an outcome of something and at the back of our minds we're asking ourselves what happened that's now the fascination with tababesta now to say Mm -hmm. what happened to you and we are starting to dig into the childhood and you get to understand that something did happen and then another and then another. The same thing with the likes of Rosemary. We want to know what kind of materials in your childhood built this kind of product, that you are this kind of outcome. What were the scenarios? And then there's also like, it's quite realistic because sometimes we kind of want to know, but we don't want to know. But we trust that once it's on screen, it will be packaged in such a way that we can be able to take it no matter how traumatizing they'll make it watchable and understandable and relatable at our level as viewers and um, eventually we can witness it again but slower this time Mm -hmm. and we can actually take it in and maybe we can heal when we understand how we got here and maybe we can prevent it from happening ever again but the stories are never the same, they are never the same but I think the element of trauma is the same
0: Well said and that's why I 100% really love documentaries and i genuinely can't wait to see more episodes of rosemary's hit list valentino thank you so so much for your time and
1: genuinely well done thank you so much nadia thanks for your time as well we catch up from some of the best moments from the five drive team by going to 5fm's catch up on the 5fm app or 5fm.co.city so, 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 so.